when 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 I was broke I had rich habits uh when I was broke I had rich habits uh oh. yeah the ball is dropping what's the episode the we don't year even know we're so excited ended. we are so excited what episode are we on 20 24 and or 25 it is January 31st Happy New Year's Eve, Neil. Yeah, December 31st, like you a little off there, but yeah, yeah you've had one sip of the champagne and, and you're already loose. ready to party. I look like... Pre-drinking, good to go. Look like the worst Michael Jackson uh, impersonator ever. Yeah, if you don't... Uh, yeah, I mean, welcome to Masterpiece Podcast. Yeah, we're wearing... Uh, some people listen to this, so I it's always forget that they can't. Neil and Chandler, as you guys yeah. know, we're a little excited because we're doing a New Year's pod. Um, we got... Sick fits. So yeah. if you don't watch us visually somewhere, you're going to want to check out somewhere that you can yeah. see a picture of the way Chandler's wearing his hat right now. And do you want to see the most obnoxious thing ever? It's like a, it's a guy wearing this fedora. Ginger. <laughs> that is the worst thing ever. Oh, no. It's the worst. It's a ginger Bruno Mars look you got going on right now. <laughs> and I don't know if I like it. Uh, Bruno, Bruno Pluto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. The fedora oddly works with your whole shtick. You think so it, it goes? I, I don't know if that's a good thing or okay, not. Okay, perfect. I like that. I like that. But how Cheers. are you, man? Happy Cheers holidays. Cheers to everyone. We got some champagne here. Hope you had a good Christmas. Cheers to the boys in the back. We touch glasses, but it's covert, so you can't. Yeah. What a wild holiday. Thanks for tuning in, whatever you're doing right now. Um, getting away from the family. I think I joked about that in a previous episode. Um, hope everyone's happy and healthy and had a good break and appreciate you spending some some downtime with us before we launch into 2022. 20? Yeah. It's very hard to say that. Uh, but Neil, what's going on with you, buddy? Not too much. It's another week, another property under contract that I shouldn't have bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or shouldn't be buying. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's not much crazy this week. The biggest one being that I got another property under contract that's in yeah. kind of the neighborhood that I buy things in. Not for the craziest, right. most amazing price, but... It fits the build because it fits into everything else I have. It yeah, kinda, I used to have this like not really an operating like uh, mo or necessarily, but I liked the idea that when I had my first multis, I could drive a lawnmower between all my properties because I used to mow all the lawns and it was really convenient. And you'd see me this guy like, walking down Portland Street with a lawnmower because I was just going between my properties to mow them. Location, location, um, location. Yeah, and what you know, <laughs> you, you know the tenant base, you know what you can do with that building. Like automatically, it's yeah. just like I don't even have to wonder what I can get for rents because you own similar buildings and it's just. Easy. Yeah, it's good. And this way I have, I have control of who's on the street and, and things like that. Make sure everyone's at the same quality that I would expect. Yeah. Um, and there was also some issues that my properties were causing for that property. And so instead of kind of battling mm-hmm. back and forth on whose responsibility, this way I'll just take it on and I'll deal with all the drainage issues that were there and, and putting in what needs to be done. And I can kind of merge it with the, the cost of my other buildings. This also so. speaks to the fact that like once you're out there doing stuff and you get to know your neighbors, it's amazing how these deals start coming across your desk. And sometimes like, well, gosh, that's not what I had in mind, but I almost feel like I need to buy that property because of its proximity to me or, um, you know, controlling your neighborhood and, and all these things that maybe it wasn't in the immediate plans. I think you gave me a hard time for buying an eight unit. And since then, you've bought a single family home and a six unit. So that's interesting. <laughs> Combined, those are almost eight. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I totally understand. And, and single I, family is a development play for those who don't know or don't remember. <laughs> It's um, a development play. Yeah, and in fairness, I also um, got an accepted offer on a six-unit in a very... Doesn't very have bought any of his properties, not anywhere close. Um, it's not anywhere close. That's now... 
that's the third property now I have on that street. So it is close to my That lifestyle. street is 46 kilometers <laughs> long, and I will watch you walk down the street with a I lawnmower could, I still, down the I sidewalk. I still push a mower between those, and I have another property between them around the corner. That's the eight. But anyway, now to hear that, I'm super stoked about that one. We're going to talk about that a lot in the new year because yeah. I'm effectively going to get into that property with zero money down, which is super key because, again, the opportunity came across my desk, and I'm trying to hoard all my cash for the, the construction build. And then I picked up the eight unit and that's going to suck a lot of cash. And now it's like, oh my gosh, now there's this property, but it's too good of an opportunity. Um, I've, I've figured out a plan where I'm going to uh, get it with it without any money. Oh, in fact, I'm, I'm going to end up a little bit you ahead. Are, so. You are hearing that correctly. He is going to get into this property for no money down. There's no trickery. But we, will, we are going to dive into that later. That's yeah, another yeah. topic for today. Today, just to go over what we're going to be talking about is kind of a year in review. Even yeah. though the podcast hasn't even been around for the whole year. Totally. Um, we're going to be going over more, more news items, not necessarily what we discussed or anything like that. Uh, we just want to go over different items on the real estate world, investing world, meta world, <laughs> everything there is. Yeah. Pour me some Let more. Let me top you up first. Exactly. I'm, in your I'm chugging my champagne here. So fill me up. Don't spill it everywhere. Oh, Man, wow. Okay. So anyways, um, yeah. So today we're going to go over all that. Then we're going to give a little recap on how our years went. Yeah. Um, kind of let, let you guys know. I know some of you guys are curious on the what we got going on, and, and then uh, we're going to give you kind of a rundown of what's coming in 2022. We have some big plans. Uh, oh, you yeah. guys have been great, great listeners, giving us a lot of feedback, and so we're really excited to take some of that and turn it into real-life content and material. Yeah, and, and level make, up. Yeah, exactly. Level up and also be able to provide some great resources for you guys uh, in the coming year. So with that, let's get started with the most immediate news of this week. Um yeah, together. there's been a lot going on. Um, IBM is bringing 350 tech jobs here to the province. We're in Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, the tech industry is exploding here right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so people often are asking, well, what, what are some indicators in terms of what the market is going to do in the year coming, well, tomorrow? Um, I mean, those are 350 well-paying jobs just from one company coming into the province. And with that comes families and extended families and other like opportunities and, and jobs around that that setup, right? So that's going to be great to the economy. Yeah. Um, that's North America wide too that you're seeing totally, this yeah. uh, is a migration of west to east for not just people but also the tech jobs. And the idea was that the western portion of North America is more expensive than the eastern, but you're also getting a lot of educated, smart mm-hmm. individuals uh, that have potential yeah. on the east coast. And so they can come here and probably pay a reduced cost of living uh, wage. Well, that's... Which is kind of their objective, but slowly yeah. changing. It is slowly changing, but for it's sure. also with the internet, it's becoming less and less crucial necessarily to be in the heart of LA or in the heart of California to mm-hmm. be a part of a tech company and part of something like that. Yeah, IBM's so. not a small operation, obviously. But no. it's interesting you mention cost of living. Uh, a study came out that I found really interesting. They looked at what two hundred thousand dollars would be effectively after tax, and they went um, across the country. The, so they took 200K and they said, well, after you pay all of your average taxes in these different regions, what are you left with? The territories, Alberta and BC, were the highest when you were left with between 135 and 141K, mm-hmm. uh, which is already a little depressing, man. That means you're given – best case scenario, you're given 30%. 59 to 65 yeah. uh, to the government. Quebec was the lowest take-home at 122K. So if you made 200K in Quebec after you paid all your taxes, you were left with 122 and good old Nova Scotia, we were the second lowest at 124000 So we like to think that we are the, you know, an affordable place to live. Now, between housing prices going up and the fact that we're taxed higher than other areas, 
according to this metric, our actual take-home money is is second to lowest in the country. Um, so that's always uh, nice again. What and what that would boil into, like an extra twenty thousand dollars on your yearly take-home is an extra fifteen hundred bucks a month. Fifteen hundred dollars a month is a mortgage of three hundred thousand dollars. So it'd be the equivalent of you Not living. That's kind of good. Equivalently, yeah, living somewhere else where if you have a four hundred thousand dollars house here, you'd have a seven hundred thousand dollars house there. Yeah. So just just things to consider, yeah. and that's like obviously I'm still a big person of saying live on the east, and there's lots of amazing things in mm-hmm. Atlantic Canada. But I think more so our objective with kind of saying that is something to review for the governments maybe to look at now that their tax revenues. Uh, they were very excited to come out and say yesterday that they balanced the budget and they found an extra billion dollars. They didn't find an extra billion dollars. There's an extra mm-hmm. billion dollars in tax revenue yep. based on all the new people oh, man, and all the transactions. So but they're they're painting it as it's amazing fiscal. Uh, spending control and monetary policy that allowed that to take place. They didn't change anything. They've only been in for like four weeks. Yeah, we got to get a little shout out to Premier McNeil, who I was a big fan of, mainly because of his fiscal conservative nature. That mm-hmm. was my favorite thing about Premier McNeil. It's why I continually voted for him. Um, so the conservatives inherited a nice situation there, and the economy rebounded much better than people were expecting. I got that news, that alert, as I was driving towards the bridge uh, that had a notification that's like, Reminder, tolls are increasing. I'm like, man, usership continues to go up in price even though they're making more money than ever before. Uh, Speaking of making lots of money, uh, your boy, Elon Musk, posted the other day on Twitter that he is going to pay $11 billion in taxes this year. Why do you think he's doing that? Good PR, everyone's up his butt. He actually wants to withdraw some cash. I think, well, Bernie Sanders called him out. in the background. (laughs) Well, like Bernie Sanders called him out for paying no taxes and... um, uh, you know, like there, there's this big narrative in, in the U.S. and in Canada. Uh, we've talked about this in Canada. The reality is the higher earners in Canada do pay more uh, than, than lower owners, even though people can um, disguise that and dividends and, you know, unrealized income growth. And all these unrealized for these guys. But. Yeah. But he says that he's going to pay $11 billion in taxes, whether or not this is related to the fact that he sold a lot of his Tesla stock or, or what, I don't know. Yeah, it would definitely have to be, right? Because you're not paying unrealized. And 99% of these guys' wealth is unrealized gains. He's like the the only guy who can be a super billionaire, like not be Bondian villain, villain, and people still somehow like him. And, you know, by putting stuff out like this, I think he tries to lean into that, you know, likable Dennis the Menace, rich, Richie Rich, <laughs> you know, guy that... Um, He's trying to counter these critics of him, saying they pays that amount of money. So yeah, I think he does pretty good overall. Honestly, like I think a lot he's of the take home still okay. Yeah, I'd say I'd say he's gonna, still going to be able to put food on his uh, plate. But uh, no, I think in general though, Elon's take on how he operates and what he's trying to do is is pretty solid. Um, I think half of his stuff that he does is just to spite Jeff Bezos, but <laughs> <laughs> can't say for sure. Yeah. Um, interestingly, wrapping up, another bit of information came out. I mean, these these numbers aren't going to surprise anyone, but. The year-over-year house prices um, change in both Canada and the U.S. was approximately 20% uh, for the year. Across the board. That's across the board. Um, in the lowest of areas here in Canada, it was 6%. In the highest of areas, it was you know, 24 25%. We, Nova Scotia would have been there. We were like 22 or yeah. something like what that. What was the highest in Canada? Um, what area? I think it was still Ontario. It's one of the yeah. towns outside of Toronto, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the average house price in Canada is now just over 720 k that's insane. Yeah. That's, that's a getting bit up nuts. there. Um, and, you know, because we can't go a week without metaverse news, uh, this one's <laughs> a little bit sad, not surprising, weird, dumb, whatever uh-huh. you want to call it. 
Um, they've been launching like beta versions, test versions of the metaverse, and a woman reported getting sexually assaulted. Uh, she says that she was groped and that other avatar players in the metaverse encouraged it, which is so messed up on so many levels. Um, her and, avatar. Like, cause people are in there with their avatars and her avatar was groped by someone else's avatar. Well, like, and it's like, are you surprised? I mean, like a bunch of degenerate <laughs> weirdos at home living in this imaginary space. One of them is going to be a douchebag or multiple, probably yeah. someone wearing a gold fedora. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Where's your fedora back on? I, no, I can't get that. Um, lemon head. I'm laughing. I shouldn't be, but it's just because of what it is. Well, it's just kind of stupid. I mean, the metaverse portion. Yeah. I understand that the actual act is, is quite. Oh, totally. But, but like but. It, it's, it, it, it raises all kinds of questions. Um, one, like how are they going to moderate this space? Yeah. Because metaverse, like they said, oh, they studied the situation and she should have used the safety zone tool. You know what is kind of weird about this though is there's, I think they're gonna, it's going to remove the he said, she said aspect because I feel like everything can be looked back on and reviewed and what took place. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. I guess. Uh, I mean, even just the fact that we're talking about this is super weird and, and uh, I don't even know what it says about uh, the world. Um, but the safe zone tool in the metaverse is that you can press a button and it puts a bubble around you and it prevents anyone from talking to you or touching you. It's like this. Oh, man, I would know. use one of those. Does it prevent your phone from ringing? Man, but then people were criticizing Metaverse saying, well, they're victim blaming. They're saying she should have done something else rather than, no, the environment should have been safe without her pressing a safe zone. She shouldn't necessarily have to do that right off the hop. But, I mean, so much for this utopian uh, Metaverse existence. We're about to go through a lot of news headlines with this kind of thing. Yeah, man. It's a bunch of weirdos in their apartments. It's not all about the weirdos. That's on. And not just weirdos on the Metaverse channel. that you are so keen on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be... It's it's gonna be degen central. Not gen- <laughs> degeniverse. <laughs> it's not the degeniverse. It is right now, but it's gonna get better. Uh, but the only way we're gonna get better is we have to go through all of these things. Okay, people get groped in the real world well, too. But this is we we talked about this before with Facebook. It's like, oh, but don't worry, we'll moderate it all. Exactly. We'll take care of it. Mark Zuckerberg's gonna cover this. It's gonna be okay. Well, there's also, and I want to get into this in the new year. All these like, um, I don't know, like your social currency rating Mm. this is becoming a big thing both in corporations but there's even been talks about this i think it was either i think it was in china where they were talking about how um there's this movement towards people getting individual social credit scores based on their carbon footprint based on being in debt or not being in debt they already do Um, most of this in china all they're like don't it's you know what they do in china right i mean you're gonna need to be a little bit more specific neil like, well, yeah, I guess there's a lot of different things they do in China. But regarding social credit, like, they have cameras everywhere. If you jaywalk, that's a negative point against your social credit. Man. So, and so it, but it auto does it because the cameras have craziness. facial recognition. So if they catch you jaywalking, like, you're not going to get a ticket or whatever, but it'll automatically ding your, your social credit. And then when there's an event or something that needs uh, some sort of public input or it requires... You uh, get like a less you, vote. You get less vote or you get Crazy. Uh, a, a worse place in line to get tickets to go see something, like things like that. Um, but they've already been doing that for years. Uh, same mm-hmm. with the, uh, traffic infractions. Uh, they, they can capture you because they, they can pick up through the thingy. They can pick up your face. Yeah, and, and people either that. think that's awesome or think that's absolutely terrible. I but think most people think that's absolutely terrible because you're effectively just losing 100% of your freedom at that point. There's this thing, I think it's called ESG. 
it's like a corporate rating system that's very similar. It's like, what is your corporation doing out there? So if you've noticed a lot of corporations becoming a bit more altruistic, a bit more activist, a bit more um, liberal and and, uh, political, a lot of it has to do with now on some lending uh, thank you. Neil's give topping me, me up here. Yeah, give me a hand. On, on some lending products, when banks go to lend or, cor- or corporations go to borrow, they're going to be approved or not approved based on this score of social credit, of what things they're doing out there that's positive for the community. Um, anyway, very, very interesting. We'll talk my about that in a house of cards to come crashing down. Oh, yeah, Neil. <laughs> like, well, just based on Reddit alone, Neil, uh, you are approved for no dollars. <laughs> you get monopoly money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh dear all right well what we're gonna do as promised we're just gonna rip through the headlines we thought about doing this in chronological order and then we were like no nah, we don't feel like doing that amount of research uh but we are gonna try to hit on some high notes some things that yeah. were super interesting um obviously oil a lot of people made a lot of money in oil this year yeah in oil related uh industries uh january light crude was around 47 a barrel it peaked at 83 bucks in october now it's around 72 uh, I remember we talked about this a few times when that started dropping. I was like, man, like if, if people have a lot of liquid cash, that's going to come. I back was all up. in. Yeah. This was one of my things that I'll talk about. But the price of oil, it only made sense to go back up. I know everyone was like, we're changing. Da, da, da. Oh, yeah, and right. there was this idea that we're able to in like two, three years, turn the entire world's economy off of oil and just get them into renewables and other options. Mm-hmm. Um, in this time, they also threw in a ton of regulation across the board, not just in Canada, everywhere that is going to impact the ability to produce. And so everyone kind of ramped down on the production. Then COVID hit, so there isn't less requirement for oil because a lot of people, as many people are consuming, traveling, et cetera. So everything turned down during this period. Yeah. Now as consumption resumes, 100%. there is not yeah. nearly as much. So we've been tapping into reserves all around the planet. And right. we had a ton of reserves, and we now do not have the reserves. And additionally, production doesn't turn on overnight, right? Like you can't snap your fingers and start making 100 million barrels of oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing this run up in the pinch and it's going to continue to go because we're getting very like world supplies are super, super low production is also, conti- it's still, it's going up, but again, it doesn't turn on yeah. overnight. You can't just turn on 50 million wells and then especially with fixed. the shipping delays and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's an interesting one. I still think there's an opportunity in oil. If you're trying to make a play there, I'd say keep an eye on it. There's still some run up. Um, it's kind of sad. Obviously some of the multiples aren't as good. But I would say take a, take a peek at that and just think about it because um, there's there's still a bit of a run. There's, this is going to be a big push, I think, over the $100 mark. Well, speaking of runs, Bitcoin in January is around 23K. It peaked out around, I think, 63K. We're talking U.S. numbers here. Mm-hmm. Dropped down to 30K in July. It's r- rallied back to 67 in November. And now it's pulled back down again, 48K. So I know a lot of people rode that wave. Maybe they are on it before, but it's been a... Uh, I mean, overall, it's been a good year for Bitcoin, but there are certainly some peaks and valleys in there. Um, I think it's very news dependent what happens with the with Bitcoin. It's yeah, and they run in groups, man. Like the whole crypto sector either goes all at once or pulls back all at once. Like there's very little differentiating them on a. The crazy you know, thing I found Bitcoin is I remember 2017. I think was the first time it became really mainstream uh, for like general consumers to get involved, and I I did. And at the time, I was like, whatever, a few thousand dollars. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to a million. And I was like, that is so far fetched. Like, there's mm-hmm. just no way possible. Now we're looking at like it's 70 grand. Well, now a million is not that insane yeah, to go. Like, that's like a 14x. Yeah. Exactly. 15x. It's not that crazy to go there. Like, yeah. 
before it was like, okay, like that's that's a thousand X. Like, yeah, but it's kind of like people not everyone's got a dis a skewed perception of returns in that space because when you see something like Dogecoin that went from below half a penny in January to seventy four cents in May, right? Like, I got to tell my Dogecoin story. That's the kind of money. That's kind of returns I want. You know, um, so Bitcoin's now being viewed by people maybe outside of traditionally outside the crypto market as like a conservative, smart place to put money. Like it's it's kind of the blue chip, and that means less exciting returns for a lot of big crypto investors. What's hear, your Dogecoin story? Get hear me out. So. <laughs> 2017 everyone was doing it my roommates were doing it i was just getting started in real estate 20 what 2017 dogecoin oh yeah it was around really oh, oh yeah okay. um everyone wasn't doing dogecoin everyone was doing crypto mm-hmm. and uh anyways i put in a fair bit i bought a couple of full bitcoin like i was getting into it whatever um it went up a bunch i thought i was the man i thought i had this thing sorted out started living the life Literally two weeks later, it went <laughs> from life. Yeah, we went. I won't, unrealized gains. Neil's off the pod. That, that's a, if you want to hear that story, ask me for a beer. Um, but uh, anyways, it then ended up coming back down quite a bit faster than it went up, mm-hmm. and lost a fair bit of money. Sold out, pulled out. Said, "Screw this! I never want to be involved in it." I did it because of FOMO, uh, fear of missing out, and bought in. Long story short, I pulled everything out except for fifty dollars. And so I said, random, why'd you leave 50 bucks in there? I'll check your tip when you're walking. Yeah, literally it was like my tip walking out the door and I bought $50 of Dogecoin 2017. No way. I don't know what it is today, today, but I logged on a few months ago onto my Coinbase, CoinSquare, whatever app I was using, seven grand. No way. $50 is seven grand. And I was like, that's, that's 140 X. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, oh man, and 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 you're way down right now because Dogecoin now is is quite a bit. It's like fifty percent of its actual high. So if that's seven. Would you say five thousand bucks, seven thousand bucks? Seven grand, seven, yeah. Yeah, we would have been at like fourteen, right? So if you left a thousand dollars in Dogecoin right then, you would have been one hundred and forty grand. More than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been probably two hundred fifty k. That's yeah, yeah. nuts. Anyways, that was uh, it. Was kind of funny because I was just sitting around the table with a couple guys and they were talking about yeah, Dogecoin, Dogecoin, and I was like, I think I have Dogecoin. Crazy, um, crazy. Um, Another thing that happened, actually, it'll be uh, almost a year anniversary that the rioters stormed Washington. Uh, and the lasting image of that, I mean, there's a couple, but that the QAnon uh, dude like with the horns. Remember yeah. that guy? No. What? I live under a rock. rock. Seriously, dude. Yeah. They call him like the the shaman or something like that. Whatever. Anyway, uh, and he's got sentenced to four years in prison. That's when um, Trump was still in. That was when Trump was still in, like he, uh, well, he was, um, Biden had won the election. Yeah. Uh, this was before the inauguration. Exactly. Two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, Joe. Sleepy Joe. Sleepy Joe. Shows up to take over the scene. Sleepy Joe's a little handsy in the metaverse too, I'm sure. Yeah. He's like, can I sniff hair in the metaverse? (laughs) Um, There was a global chip shortage. That was a big deal too, man. That was, okay. Well, before we go to the, let's, before we go to the chip shortage, are we- Are we following that, any sort of chrono- chronology? No. There is some chronology here. Our, our good producer T, uh, Tanner in the back, drinking. He already drank. Yeah, but drank. I, I bounced up. To, he, when, the global chip shortage shortage was in Q1, kind of somewhere in there. It was. Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to continue since we're talking about Dogecoin and stuff. Okay. GameStop. Oh yeah, the squeeze. GameStop. That was. Do you know what kind of went on there? It was like a. Yeah, there was a big short on GameStop. Yes, and right? AMC, same thing. Yeah. And then the internet took hold of that, and there was the fuck the suits. 
Totally, campaign. right? Like people were shorting it, being like, all right, this is antiquated store. This is going to go blockbuster. This is going to go this direction. So we're going to short which, it. To be honest, you only made sense because they, they were dying. Totally, right? Uh, like in the same way that people, yeah. And, I mean, there's a crazy story about how Netflix offered to partner with Blockbuster. Yeah, Blockbuster's I like, know, I know. no thanks, we're good. Yeah, and I know. then yeah. Anyway, but, but yeah, GameStop for all kinds of reason looked like it was going to go the way of Radio Shack, and um, then the internet got on it. Yeah, and the boys rallied together. <laughs> the boys and girls rallied together and absolutely drove it through the moon. And you know what's funny? I don't know how, how GameStop came out of it, but AMC more so. They actually came out of it in pretty good shape because they were GameStop able to. They, yeah, I mean, yeah, and because they're able to sell off a bunch of shares and make a mm-hmm. ton of money to pay down a bunch of their debts and put in like a new expansion plan and get all their modifications done, hire the new talent that they needed. Yeah. It actually worked out to legitimately saving these companies, not just on their stock price, but the actual financials got shored up because they were able to raise so much capital through these runs. And really, GameStop, when you think of like how huge gaming is, uh, as evidenced by the loyalty of these people that that supported them. All they would need is enough capital and the right people to pivot them in a small direction, and they could be a very big deal again. Yeah. Right? Because that space is so, so huge. So yeah. huge. Yeah, they'd have to try to change some of their models, but for sure. Um, shortly after that, where were we? You were going down to the uh, – how did you get to chip shorts? I don't even see it. No, no, I just bounce around. He was here all over the place. <laughs> we're trying to find it to follow some order. Chandler's yeah. had three sips of champagne. Hammered. I think he may have had some pre-drinks before he got here. Uh, I did not, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So then following that, going into March at the same time, like there's a lot of things going on. So we have COVID going on. Oh, yeah. We have AM- AMC, GameStop are popping off. Bitcoin's going crazy. Basically, we're showing that the internet world is really starting to step up to play. There's a big. Man, that's very interesting. So much of this involves either at, at the least online commerce in the form of investing, but also just how people are operating in that space and gaming and all this stuff. Yeah. And everyone's mm-hmm. involved. Like everyone has the ability to be involved. Everyone could buy an AMC. Everyone could buy into GameStop. Anyone can buy any of the crypto portions. Cause the other thing with crypto is yeah, great. It's 50,000 a coin. You don't have to buy one. You can buy $500 or $50 worth. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was, it was an interesting time in the sense that people weren't just watching news stories. There were news stories that they could actually be a part of. Whereas I feel like in previous times it was like, Oh, this happened, and it was with commodities, and people are like, I don't know what that means, other than my gas pump price went up five x, but yep. I can't actually make any money off of this, or I can't be involved in this in any format. Um, yeah, I mean, and at the same time, I started to hear NFT for the first time in my and, life, and seeing this is, and so following at the same time, we have Beeple, uh, an NFT artist who sells a collage for a cool sixty nine million dollars. Now, I don't know if the sixty nine number was on purpose but if i had to place my bets no doubt knowing this nft world and everything else around it the 69 was a, on purpose but yes yeah, 69 million dollars um and shortly thereafter same thing the nft world absolutely exploded and then you have all these new artists coming up you have people clipping different things like nba highlights sports highlights pictures of athletes clothing yeah. everything you can think of is going there and i feel like again start of this year Everyone's talking about crypto. Then there was AMC GameStop thing, and I had a bunch of people talking about that. I knew a bunch of people that made money on that. And then same thing. I know a bunch of people that started talking about NFTs, and they were flipping those, and they're buying their first one here and there. Um, and I think it was a mixture of like the perfect storm of all of these things taking place at the same time. Add a little COVID sauce on there, so everyone's at home, everyone's on their computer more than ever. Yep. And, and you, some people have liquid cash, as small as it may be, if they got an injectment of some CERB money. You know, there was all these differing things going around around like so binary of oh my gosh you know 
the housing crisis was going on and, and people didn't have money to pay rent and yeah. they were getting, you know, needing subsidies and unemployment and CERB and whatever you want to call it. And then on the other side, the price of housing is exploding yeah. and all of these, you know, crypto spaces, NFT commodities are going through the roof. It's almost like these things were running parallel to each other when you'd think, you know, for the first time there was like this splitting of the economy um, this way. And then one of my favorite things in, in the real year, world that when that cargo ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> oh the memes. my God. The memes. Yeah. I got this thing here. It said it happened March 23rd and by March 28th, at least 369 ships were, were waiting in line to go through the canal. And it's like, this prevented an estimated $9.6 billion worth of trade, but like gave birth to about 9.6 billion memes. I love, well, yeah, it was funny. Cause it's like, like it says $10 billion in trade held up. And then there's just like a picture of like one excavator, just yeah. like one lowly excavator just digging. It's not even like like it's a dude who was like working on a farm yeah. down the street, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, a stupid yeah, ship digger out. Yeah, and, and the best part too, after it all happened and it gets unstuck, I remember him being in the news, being like, I didn't get paid. He's like, no I, way. I dug this ship. Yeah, he was like, I have an outstanding invoice for. It wasn't even that oh much. I was just like 15k. And he's just like, I didn't get paid for digging for two weeks to get this ship unstuck. That's wild. like everyone. And then finally, after the news story broke, then he, then he like, oh, yeah, I confirmed the Suez Canal did forward me <laughs> the che- money. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, you look at how these things are interacting. So you've got this clip, uh, this chip shortage. Uh, so cars are backed up. They can't produce cars. You've got mm-hmm. international shipping grinds to a halt. Um, you know, anything that's produce or food related. Is just the spoiler? We're still reeling from this. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, and you know what? We thought, gosh, if only there was a platform where people would talk about this on some sort of podcast. Exactly. And uh, Master Keys was launched. I was going to say, yeah. When did we actually start this? Well, so I, I myself and Tanner um, started doing this in April. Really? See, I didn't even know that. See, this is before before Chandler's time. So, which is hard to believe. I understand. That's BC before yes. Chandler. <laughs> Literally BC. Um, and then I came in a manger. Yes. Um, but yeah, so before Chandler, uh, myself and Tanner started doing this with another colleague of mine um, whose name we cannot share due to confidentiality issues. What? Is this for real? Man who cannot be named uh, due to where he works. And so we actually had recorded oh, three okay. or four yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he worked in the financial sector. And he works in the like financial that, yeah. sector. And the bank that he was working with said, no dice. Oh. So he got chopped. Um, and then we started working ourselves down the line of who could be next to step Ooh. in. Wow. And after cheapers, yeah, down like, that it list. was a solid, exactly. See, Tanner just showed it was one of an eight foot long list. We got to near the bottom and we were getting rejected left, right and center. Nobody <laughs> wanted to be a part of it. And then Jake called Chandler stepped in and sure enough, he said he would do it. I was um, like, the oversaturated all podcast market. <laughs> me too. Sign me up. In all seriousness though, I think we were talking in the office about it a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, it was kind of weird. I remember you texting me being like, we should do this. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so then at the same time, we got our thing set up, started recording in midsummer, and our first drop was July 19th. Mm-hmm. So we're just on that six month mark. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so many people over the years were like, oh, you should, you know, you should teach people this or you should put it out there somehow. And I'm like, man, I don't really have time to do that. There's a big system that has to be put in place. And then when I heard you guys were already putting this system in place, um, I kind of was like, oh, I don't want to like ride along their coattails, but like I do want to do that if they would have me. So yeah. appreciate you having me. I always wondered why you guys had all those cameras and backlighting and all that stuff in your office. I just thought it was a little. 
you know. I mean, there was the life before the on. podcast, but again, the that's, life before the podcast. that's the premium podcast. You guys have to find that on my OnlyFans page. Um, the, the AP, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's an AP. That's an AP conversation. Um, but yeah, anyways, so we launched, and man, like we're we're doing all right. I think things are going okay. We're at twenty five episodes. Right. We're half a year in. Yeah. Um, we're starting to actually get things in place again. I appreciate everyone who's listened, listened from the start, giving 100%. us a ton of feedback. You guys have been great. Um, so we're hoping to be able to make it better and actually provide some true value. Chandler and I have had a lot yeah. of talks recently. We really want to be able to bring something that can actually genuinely benefit everyone. Um, so that's going to be, again, a big goal for us in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Excited for all that stuff. We're going to roll out. And I think we're probably going to call it season two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll call it season two. So this is the last episode of season one, I guess. Um, Continuing on real yeah. world items. Cyber attack. Uh, I'm, I was going to say, yeah. So, I mean, we can quickly touch on that. I should have said it a little earlier, but then in middle of the last year as well, this was another thing of like how crazy the online world is becoming and what kind of strength it has. Um, a cyber attack took place on a pipeline in the States, an oil and gas pipeline, and they were mm. actually able to shut it down. So oh, like yeah, this is this, this yeah. is how crazy things are. Yeah, it's it uh, it's changing kind of how people look at stuff. Like before, it was kind of like the Internet's its own thing and freaks and geeks use the Internet and it's fun and whatever and there's some value there, but it's never really going to impact how let's say big business and the suits operate in the real world. And it's getting to the point now where it may have more control power than the actual big suits have because you can get guys that know what they're doing can code really well. They're like, Oh cool. You have a hundred billion dollar oil and gas company. Well, if none of your pipes worked, Mm. I don't really care how much money you have. You can't do anything. And I'm operating out of my house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the link between activism and technology is becoming so intertwined. And even that, um, you know, the events of January 6th, the, the, whatever you want to call it, the riot, the attack on, on, uh, Washington, like that was in part due to the social media push. Um, but then you get these cyber hackers that they kind of operate on their own realm. It's not like, you know, they're in some Facebook group and people are saying, well, we should all do this. And it's crowdsourced. These are people acting of their own accord and kind of have their own agenda. Um, it's interesting for sure. On that note, Blackberry just had a great quarter cybersecurity, man. For those, you who, don't know, for those who don't know, Chandler is still using a Blackberry, Blackberry, Blackberry with a physical keyboard. Oh, that huge brick you heard, almost broke that was him <laughs> dropping it in the desk, got a dent. Hey, Literally, and no crack in the screen, man. These, these screens yeah, don't crack. Yeah, your screen's not cracked, but the BNV guy's desk is broken, so that's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they had a great quarter. Yeah. Uh, profits higher than expected, so Anyways. stock, stock still, still down 1%. Um, like I said, buy oil and gas. Don't buy. Don't buy. Uh, was it Rim Blackberry? What do they go by? I think Rim. Um, Remember when they were going to buy that hockey team? Were they going to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins and bring them to Hamilton? That was a fun time. That's probably before your time. Yeah, Rim yeah. was like, we're going to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's when they actually had the blue that's Blackberry so that actually was killing it. Yeah, they had money so to spare. Yeah. Um, condo building uh, in June. Real estate news. Condo building collapsed. Do you in remember Florida. this? I do remember this. Um, that was under construction, though, wasn't it? No. No. That was occupied. That's why there's 98 Jeepers. people in there. This was an, it was yeah. an old, not old, old building, but I think 20, 30 years old. Um, and this is something I think nobody ever thinks of. Like, I never feel insecure, like we're sitting in a building right now, that this shit's just going to collapse. Like, no one well, ever... Well, I think that's a reasonable expectation that it should not, yeah. It is, but on the flip side, like, it's pretty insane that we build up so high uh, mm-hmm. and do all of these things. And it's always kind of lingered with me when I look at these buildings. I'm like, does no one ever consider these things collapsing? And it oh, never, and never happens. You remember that horrific fire over, and I think it was France too, right? Where um, the fire was able to spread underneath these cladding 
materials and like that material was now banned but at the time it was allowed and so this fire ripped through the interior of the walls yeah um and then quickly shut down the elevator in like a 20-story building right and people were oh, anyway cra- so crazy crazy um but every time someone asks like why the condo fees are going to high so i'm going to cite that story yeah. um because condo legislation is important because you have to have things like engineers reports right yeah and studies on your building but i know that stuff is a lot more lax in some areas of the u.s um very sad very sad yes uh, also uh following up in july billionaire space race branson and bezos uh we're getting up there um branson got it first yeah bezos came days. in second i know that killed bezos these guys honestly 100 percent do all this shit to piss each other off like i said elon musk when he beat uh bezos on the net worth thing he sent him some stupid thing about being in second. Like he sent him like a medal, a second place medal. And I was yeah. like, this is how these guys operate. It's just like, it's eh, all competition. If those, are, if those are your group Thank of friends, you. I'd totally do that too. Cracking a second bottle here. I'm pounding through it. Uh, let's see. I mean, gosh, like the housing situation and the COVID, they're almost like, where do you put this in, in the list? Um, but I know here hyper locally, um, the destruction of the temporary shelters on August 18th was massive news here that then went on to make national news. Um, check out our episode on that. Effectively, these temporary shelters had been set up and council felt that they had alternative accommodations for everyone there. They gave some notice to these individuals like, hey, if you don't move, whoa, whoa. there it is. Well, number two. Nice. <laughs> um if you, if you don't move by such and such a date, just so you know, like we're probably going to be destroying these. And then they did it, but they did it unannounced, kind of to have the element of surprise, and it did not go well. Um, I, w- I did a really good timing rent increase letter at the same time. Oh, that was one of the first time Neil was in the news. That was an, very, that, one was, that was a big one. Uh, that was that was nice. Yeah, um, yeah that, that was poor timing on your part. Um but, you know, people were going about their business model. This was also before rent control came in. I don't even know if we have that announcement in here. Um, but many, you know, so much going on from a socioeconomic, political situation around that. Um, and the election, we had both a local election here, provincially, I should say, and then the Canadian election of September 20th with the Liberals getting um, 160 seats and the Conservatives getting 119 uh, and then the NDP and the Bloc uh, further behind at I think like 32 and 25 is what I've got here. Um, what's interesting about that, and we talked a little bit about at the time, the Conservatives actually won the popular vote. They hit almost 34% as compared to Trudeau's 32.5%. Um, I'm a big advocate of electoral reform because I don't think you should form a government if you don't win the most votes. Um, but you know the Conservatives <laughs> wouldn't be the only people upset about that. I mean, the, the NDP got 18% of the votes and, and have a disproportionately small amount of represented representation, right? Not um, to make light of this, but who's voting for the Green Party, man? Man, d- come on now. The Didn't they lose like, their, like, main policy? Uh, like Their main policy? I don't know. Which was making lead weed legal? Oh, no. I mean, that that's kind of... That, that was a big part of their, their foundation once upon a time. Um but they've expanded their their platform quite a bit, uh, and they've crept up in the popular vote. Um, and w- the popular vote does help towards some funding, so it does actually help. But it is it doesn't necessarily work out in in seats because um, even the party, the People's Party of Canada, you know, as much as they get made fun of, they do have enough of the popular vote that um, they're in the conversation 
like it or not, right? Um, both those parties are, are undergoing Do significant change. Do you think the change. political parties will have any control and impact on the metaverse? And what uh, goes on oof. on the internet? And things like well, that? this is this big issue. I mean, you and I are both in XRP right now, like in terms of the crypt- crypto space. Yeah. And the SEC lawsuit against Ripple, XRP, is kind of this attempt between the legislative and kind of political arm and this kind of hard to regulate space of the crypto world. I mean, then you go a step further into the metaverse. It, it's going to depend. I mean, people are going to be making money in there um, mm-hmm. and they're going to be making money from jobs American there. and Canadian citizens. Mm-hmm. Um but where are the pay streams going to come from? Chances are they're not going to register these metaverse companies in high tax areas. They're going to register them elsewhere. But if you know citizens are going in and making and spending money in these spaces, like there's no HST in the metaverse, like you know it's going to be very interesting. If my avatar goes bankrupt, does that come back on me in the real life? It's asking for a friend. Just asking for a friend. But I know yeah. what you mean. In all seriousness, yeah, the policies it will be weird, and they will. Whether they have control or not, they have the ability to impact what takes place. Like you're saying, and you're already seeing that now yeah. with like a, a cryptocurrency where they're able to cause issue on this level, even though it's supposed to be kind of separate from it and not be able to be impacted by yeah, it. Yeah, we can't say it's impossible because there are governments that have banned certain cryptocurrencies, like just like there are governments that have banned social media. Like this yeah. stuff does exist. Yeah. Um, it's just we like to think we're more democratic and, you know, that, that people should be allowed to do these things. But then... You know, we Canada do need it. We do need a tax base uh, in order to fund what's happening in the real world. Um, but speaking of the metaverse, uh, oh, actually, let's see here. Uh, there's something here. October 11th, the Chinese government reviews lending between state banks and private sector. Put oh, this is when Neil yeah, yeah, decided yeah. that the global economy was right, going to crash. Right. His hair started falling on faster. Things started getting crazy. This I've been kind of watching everything go at this point. You know, there was a big ship stuck in a canal. Uh, people are making money shorting or going the opposite of shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, cryptocurrencies are going nuts. Somebody spent $69,420,000 on a painting. Uh, not even a, not painting, a painting. An NFT, sorry. Yeah. Even if it was a painting, really, that's still insane. But all this stuff's going on. Stocks are going through the roof still while it's happening. Economic uh, injections of cash through government printing yep. is going nuts. That was huge. The infrastructure bill for like $1 trillion in the U.S., which then killed us up here because... People were literally making products or, or supplying lumber, and rather than send it down the street to their neighbor that needed it, they were sending it to the states to the highest bidder. 30, 40 so we couldn't get anything more. here. We couldn't get anything. Yeah, we still can't. We um, still can't. It's true. So I, all this is going on, and I find a lot of our stuff, policy, and like economic change follows in suit with what takes place in China. And so at this on this day, October 11th, the Chinese government releases that they're reviewing the lending policies between their state banks and major corporations, which doesn't sound like much. But what that is, is like all these massive corps, even in North America, a good majority and predominant, the money that they're borrowing is basically directly from the government in some in some format, whether it's direct or indirect. It's usually going from the government to some sort of mm-hmm. bank yeah. and then lending back out to some giant corporation to go do what they need to do, which is not there's not. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But the. They've just kind of done it like without any sort of math. Like there's oversight, but they they do it at a level that's they wouldn't do it for somebody else. Like a company could be losing yeah, yeah. money and they'll still lend them ten billion dollars. And what I always felt so interesting about that is obviously like there's this rivalry between the U.S. and China, and 
I think, you know, the, the narrative around China is maybe that they're a bit more fiscally responsible and um, for them to kind of go down this road that that's going to lead to massive failure of one of their biggest companies is something that I wouldn't have thought was on brand. Well, and that's the thing. The so then Republic. they changed their policies and they started saying that they, these companies can't borrow at the, the current ways that they have been, which dramatically impacts their ability to grow and keep operating, um, which kind of puts some concern and they kind of put some doubt in my head about what's going to take place in North America because additionally China provides us a lot of product mm-hmm. and they're a consumer for a lot of different things here uh, and their immigration has been great for both Canada and the States. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen it boil out yet um, and I don't know 100% what they really enacted but in general the biggest one was in, on a basic level is DSR. Like they were just saying companies mm-hmm. that are over leveraged cannot continue to, to leverage. And man that was their model. Yeah, that and was that was, model. their like, model was to leverage like crazy and just yeah. continue to print money and force this growth. And now they're just trying to tailor back on that. And it kind of feeds into like the ideas that I have of maybe there is a little bit more more to this COVID thing. That's a whole different. That's a whole. Mm-hmm. That's another OnlyFans pod. But um, there is some interesting things about kind of the timing between everything that's going on, the different monetary policies, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of it's China based. So and you're saying they, they knew about what was coming down the pipeline and they're like, now's the time to tighten our purse strings. Potentially because everything's mm-hmm. up through the roof, yeah, right? Yeah. There needs to be a correction of some sort. And if you can control the correction, then... A couple of glasses of champagne and Neil gets all exactly, conspiracy theory. Exactly. A couple of flutes of champagne and yeah, now I mean, the truth comes out. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's an interesting uh, timing for sure. I mean, to talk about COVID, I don't know how we could even possibly summarize this for the sake of, of you know a quick episode like this what's going on right now is the new variant omicron am i saying that right i never know if i'm saying it right how is it spelled i mean it's spelled like omicron i need no i need we need to get this Um, right now everyone says two everyone says it differently so i i mean we're in the midst of it right now and this is the first wave where people i knew actually got it all the previous waves like i'd hear about it i never knew anyone that, that got covid knock on wood it's what now? It's not Omicron. There's no N in the front. I know. That's why I said Omicron. Omicron. Um, this this one, I mean, I probably know now like 14, 15 people that have it. Um, this certainly seems to be the one. I mean, I was reading up on this today where, where one um, healthcare professional, doctor, researcher, whatever, thought that this would be the one that everyone got at some point. Like yeah. everyone's going to get this and you're maybe better off for it because there's another study where – they found these breakthrough cases. So a breakthrough case is when you're double vaxxed, but you still catch it. And they did a, a sample of about 60, 70 people, which is not a lot of people, but realized that this is a new variant. This is a new scenario. That's as many people as they could get. Mm-hmm. And they took 70 people that got breakthrough cases. So they were double vaxxed, and, but yet they still caught uh, a new strand of COVID and some were like the normal old school, some were Delta, some were Omicron. Yep. And what they found is the people who are double vaxxed and then had a bout of COVID, came through it on the other side with like a resistance level that's anywhere between like four and ten times stronger than it already was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's promising. And the, the people that I know that have had it, like our, our rate of hospitalization, knock on wood, right, because we're in the midst of it right now, our mm-hmm. rate of hospitalization is way down uh, and the death rate is down. So the hope is that this variant is evolving the way some variants do, which is they get higher more uh, contagious, more contagious, but but less deadly. Yeah. And the reality is, we're increasingly vaccinated. So all the people over there, like the vaccinations, don't even work. It's like they hundred percent do. They don't necessarily keep you from catching it, 
but they make it far less severe when you catch it. And it looks like this new strand, it might be kind of inevitable that people are going to catch it. And they make Pfizer super rich. Yeah, I mean, i got to think they're doing well. On a side note, did you know that those rapid tests that they're handing out all over the place for free across the continent are $10 a piece? I just spilled my champagne, not on purpose. Like um, Chandler and I have a couple flutes of champagne, and it's just all bets are, are off. Ten bucks a pop? They're ten dollars a pop, and so Canada I've been just going ordered those like Tic Tacs. <laughs> I was gonna say everyone's jabbing these. I put six- one in each nostril <laughs> yeah. and just ski pull them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, that's an image I didn't need. Anyways, um, so. Tanner's laughing. I got Tanner oh, no. cracked up. Good. I like making Tanner laugh. Um, anyway, you got me off track here. <laughs> so Canada just ordered one hundred eighty million of them. That's two bill. Hmm. And then, like you said, we got guys like yourself who's just ski pulling it. You're cleaning your ears with the things. Like, <laughs> you're not even using them to test anymore. Uh, I, I was like, holy crap. I didn't realize that every time you go get five, it's 50 man. bucks. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Talk about stimulus. I was like, God damn, that's crazy. Anyways, also to double down what you said about the pandemic. Yeah, there's two options with pandemics. Either get more contagious and a lot weaker or substantially more uh, lethal and deadly, I guess you could say, but way less contagious. Hmm. And they kind of fizzle out either way, and we're go- luckily going down the less yeah. less lethal, more contagious path. But well, this one spread like wildfire. You know what I find is really interesting about this wave? Hmm. So early on, it was if you were not 100% on board for the, the – uh, if you're not 100% on board for the stay-at-home, stay-the-blazes-home, like, you know, that thing, people were like, you're part of the problem, you know – you got to sacrifice more. Yeah. Now that our population is highly double vaxxed and you know, we're two years into it almost. Yeah. I find there's an increasing sentiment of at some point you got to live your life because what's the point of being alive if you're stuck at home and can't do anything. Yeah. And that used to be the extreme people saying that, and I'm not defending them because they're also saying some other wacko stuff. Um, so you know, th- this isn't a, a coming back around to be like those conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers were right. They, they weren't at all. They're, You're not they're, vaccinated, they're still, right? They're still more. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm double vaccinated. I mean, I take five boosters right now. Uh, I don't care. Uh, boost me up. Um, but the sentiment is like, okay, at some point when we've done – like if, if we realize that 80% is going to be the best we're going to get – some point we kind of have to get back to life, and this is a new. We thing. can't we can't hold up for the last few people if they're going to end up sticking it out because I know a lot of people that are just adamantly sticking it out. I'm like, all right, like they're just I'm locked not, down. They, they no, they're just living their life, but they oh, can't. Right, they right. won't go to anywhere. They're not allowed to go, mm-hmm. but they won't get it. But like to the point of like, we're get having, the vax period. You sort of saying, yeah, no. man, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, uh, I'm unless you're high risk, I'm right? not necessarily like, agreeing like, with it, but I'm like, like you're saying, I just, we just can't wait. Like so, the other thirty million people are going to be like, all right, well, like these. Two million people are just not getting it, so the rest of us now have to continue to wait for this crap. Well, this is the other thing. I looked at, you know, th- this this variant was linked initially, I think, to South Africa. And the one thing we have to do as part of the overall global rollout, because this is a global pandemic, is that we've got to vaccinate areas like Central South Central and South America and Africa because their vaccination rate is like a third Abismal. of what ours is, maybe Abismal. less. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's got to be part of the plan additionally to, to what we're kind of doing, quote unquote, here at home. Um, rising construction costs up way up. Lumber up was up 120% yeah, well, at one point in time, starting to come back down. Another thing with, with the COVID and all the layoffs is it triggered this labor movement. We talked about that in a recent episode, mass strikes, 
people just quitting their job when they came back looking for a better job. Like when the data started coming out, it became clear that this um, recession was affecting women in the workforce greater than it was affecting men. So that was dubbed the she session. Um, October was the biggest strike month um, in, in recent memory. A lot of labor unrest in the States. We talked about the unionization of a Starbucks. So everything like this is just a crazy year. Um, but you throw in everything we've talked about and then throw in like the biggest labor movement in a generation or and two. And 5% inflation. And 5% inflation. Which is insane. Um, I, there's nobody is listening. That it? Is that more than that? It's got to be more than that. That's what they're measuring it at. But yeah. there's nobody listening that can't say that they know of something that they've bought the whole way through the last year that's not more expensive. Like there's nothing. Whether yeah. you're renting, you're buying a car, you're putting gas in your car, you're going to get your dinner, anything you do costs more money. When you go yeah. to the grocery store, like it's noticeable. Like it's like literally when you walked in, like, was that what stuff used to cost? Or is that what that used to cost? Like, am I yeah. just being stupid here? Yeah. The sales uh, are slightly different. Like everything is is changed. Um, and so again, this feeds back to where I'm freaking out about things kind of going down the pipe is right now it's kind of working because they're dumping a bunch of cash into it. The yeah. second they start to turn those taps down, like, and people don't have that expendable cash, did everything also grow to, to meet those? Well, what's costs? also going to be interesting is already this way from an infection and case rate is going to be higher than anything we've ever seen before. Right, like regions are setting all time highs for their, mm-hmm. their daily. I don't think there's going to be a CERB part two. I don't think there's going to be a mortgage relief part two. And everything shut down again. At I least just, I just, right here, right now, we just shut down all of our yeah, restaurants. Man, I, I don't think I don't think those quote unquote bailouts are, are going to come. Yeah. So what is going to be that uh, whatever I don't know what you want to call that approach, uh, the 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 laissez faire approach. I don't know what the results are going to be of that in this place where we're getting all, this time we're getting all this inflation and, and every indicator, but the real estate market, which is kind of yours and I bread and butter, like 10% is what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. That's not insignificant. That's massive year by any other standard. Yeah. So I, Speaking yeah. of massive years. Oh God. Um, we're just going to do like, so we're big on celebrating wins. We're yeah. Big so we'll, on we'll let's end goals. this for real quick. So we did a quick year interview there. We wanted to hit most of the headlines that took place. Kind yeah. of go over also, and just kind of free Britney that happened. Free. Yeah. That was big. <laughs> Anything, Tanner anything. Was pumped about that. Can't even tell you. He is holding his heart right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're resonating with Tanner today. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was just kind of like some of the big headlines that took place. I think both of our favorites is the boat uh, being stuck. Although <laughs> not for the economy, but yeah. just because it was hilarious. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's our interview. Now we would like to transition as Chandler so casually did there with. Speaking of giant years, um, hmm. he would like to discuss. Now, we, we are going to do a quick review of our years because I think. Um, That's what you got to do. You got to take stock. You got to take right. stock. You got to celebrate your wins, like you were saying before I so rudely interrupted you. Um, and, and appreciate what you've done. Uh, for what we've talked about before, you got to be setting goals. So it's kind of a good way to look back and see if you hit your goals, maybe exceeded your goals, how to modify them coming forward. Um, and then simply for us, I'd be honest, a lot of you guys kind of asked. What does this look like for us? Um, so we're, we're going to give you kind of an idea of what, what that looks like. So It's also let, great for motivation, right? And and I'm not a big advocate of like sometimes I'm like, oh, it's so stupid. Like you just wait till January 1st to set a goal. But you know what? People need these things. And if it's a date on the calendar that triggers you to take action, awesome. That said, not everything happens based on the calendar. So sometimes it takes 14, 16, 18 months to, to reach a goal. It's not just a year-to-year thing. Yeah. But here we are. It's a great time to take stock. Yep. Um, so I don't know how we want to do this. Go back but and forth. Do we want to just? 
Celebrate Chandler. Well, I don't know. You you added like you went over the word limit here on this little essay you're writing yourself, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I had somebody do it for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So our bread and butter, real estate sales, super yep. pumped. I uh, I sold over fifty five million uh, of transacted Very volume nice. of real estate. Um, nice work. Yeah, that's the outbreak horn. <laughs> yeah, oh. There we go. Man, 25 Ooh. episodes and we finally got that. We I love finally that hit the thing. button. Let's go. Uh, and I got a few million more under contract for the new year, which is great because things carry over into the new year. Yep. Um, so you go now. Oh, Are we going to go back and forth? All right. I did a measly, about 23. I think I have a few more closings. Hit so the warm, warm button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. That's the best. That's, that's the good. highlight of that our entire good. season. That was good. I did around 23 mil uh, in sales this year. That's incredible neil thank you um the true 30 came out so you can't backpedal but what i'm very proud of is of my roughly 50 ends 30 of them were investment properties yeah two different clients that Mm -hmm. i would like to say i've been a part of helping them grow and and kind of get in the world uh, of doing real estate so that was that was exciting for me just to see when when i went through and counted up i was like you know what this is and that's the business i want to be in and and so yeah it was exciting to see, honestly, and of those investors, I would say most of them were either first time or just getting into it within the last few years, and mm-hmm. most of them are buying their second or third property, kind of using a lot of the systems that we've talked about and that we're going to continue to flush out. Yeah, so why we do this, man, like I genuinely believe this changes lives, man. It changes lives to invest in real estate, so I love talking to people about it. I love seeing them have success at it. Changes lives. I'm going to add a little bonus on there that's outside of real estate sales is I was able to do some reassignment sales. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you did any this year. No, no. Like, I mean, uh, so, you can teach an old dog new tricks, man. And, and I've learned a lot from you over the last six months. And, um, you know, this yeah. outside of the box thinking is, is really awesome. So we talked about assignments in an episode, but. Yeah. So in an assignment, I, yeah, we're not going to get into what it all it is, yeah. but I was able to do, make a six figure income on the side effectively, mm-hmm. uh, doing reassignment sales where it doesn't cost me anything outside of my time. Um, and so I was actually able to do some reassignments that benefited not only me where I made six figures plus, yeah. uh, I was also able to uh, help clients get into properties that were really great deals overall. Uh, and so totally. for some of those clients, they ended up going on to make, actually one of those clients was Rise Reno. So if you listen to our, I think last, no, next week's episode, uh, we're going to yeah, have yeah. Rise Reno's on and they were someone who was on the receiving end of one of my reassignments. And you'll see that once, crushing it. yeah, they, they went forward and crushed it and they were able to double the value. What we've talked about before from buying to actual being complete. And I was still able to get my reassignment done. The funny thing is I also then spent six figures <laughs> on purchasing yeah. reassignments. Deal's a deal, man. To get yeah. some multi-units under my belt. So it maybe maybe netted not not the best at the end of the year, no, but, it, but it worked out for me and, and did something good. So we're going to talk more about that because, again, anyone can literally do this, and this is very big in, in hot markets, or to make six figures, again, which sounds crazy to make six figures on the side, but it's not that far-fetched in the reassignment world. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big space, man. And I actually offered someone today, man, what did I offer him? I can't remember. $180,000 reassignment. Yeah, yeah, I offered him $180,000 for a reassignment. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm like, God. And all, all he had to do was sign one man, piece of paper. Sorry, two piece pieces of paper. paper. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was actually a sad part of the year for me. <laughs> and he got on a low note. Um, but uh, I bought the six unit. I've got the six unit under contract. Like I mentioned that in the new year, we're going to talk about how I got in there with zero money down. Um, in additional to that, I, I purchased a commercial property beside a land parcel I have and uh, 
bought a six-unit redevelopment play that we successfully got a 55-unit DA on. Um, so it was a, a solid year for for new acquisitions, which is great. And I know you yeah. you're buying a bunch of stuff this year. Single yes. families, duplex. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, okay. So I was able to get around 40 units this year. Yeah, and I have phenomenal. another six, phenomenal, six under contract for next year. Um, I also completed renovations on, I'd say probably around 25 to 30 units. Um, the nice thing is 17 of those units that I finished were completely vacant when I took them over oh, because they were in such so rough shape. So yeah. not only was it was good for me and I was able to get in through it quickly, I'm also bringing more inventory to the market. Um, so again, it's it's not all bad in what we do. Yeah. These were literally unlivable units full of garbage, full of rats, burnt yeah. out, like, discuss, like physically you couldn't live in them. It wasn't just so I could increase rents or be a big evil landlord. They need to come back to market and somebody had to sink in, I'd be honest with you, I sunk in over a million dollars to bring them back to market. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that, like I said, closing around 40 units and I have now another 600 contract for next year. The, the and the sink, pullouts on those are great. Yeah, and the pullouts have been great. Uh, like for one eleven unit, I was fortunate enough to after after purchase, renovation, reappraisal, uh, I was up over a million bucks. Um, pulled out around seven hundred of it. Um, and then to explain the single families and duplexes that Chandler is so I'm happily, yeah, those are yeah good but they're yeah. actually the development sites. Um, and where our market's been so hot, I was able to buy both those this year, and within probably a couple months, not even like 60 days. Fortunately, had offers from a fair bit more than I paid on both of them. Mm-hmm. Didn't sell either because I'm still in the fence of where I want to go with the developments. Yeah. Um, but but that was kind of the acquisition there. So if I'm buying anything smaller, it's that objective. And again, that's something we can talk about further. But uh, the last one I want to kind of mention that was an exciting one for me is I bought a single family home uh, on the lake, which was for myself. It's my actual house. Um, and up until this point, I've never owned a personal home. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a few people that make that sacrifice, man. And I was around 90 units before I ever yeah. bought an actual house for myself. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what you should do, but I know a lot of people ask me, a lot of the first time buyers, should I be buying a rental first or a single family home? If you're able to hold off, uh, I'd hold yeah. off, right? If you have the ability to hold off, it's nice to hold off because you can focus on making income and continuing to roll forward. Whereas a single family home, although it is an asset, it's a little more difficult to make the quick move into buying another place because typically there isn't an opportunity to kind of force the appreciation, increase the rents, show to the bank where that added value is. It's also not the sort of property that you want to necessarily refinance to the limits, right? Because like there's nothing, there's no income coming on it, right? Like if you're primary residence, you're not making money on that property. Yeah. Um, And is, wouldn't it be great to have as many income generating properties before you take that plunge? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you talked about refinance. I was fortunate to do a, a really solid refi. I mentioned that in an episode just under a million bucks uh, that allowed me to purchase kind of a couple of properties. But I'm putting a lot of that money towards the development. I've got all my permits in for the 60-unit building. And here in January, we're going to start moving dirt. I'm super pumped about What's that. What's your building you know? called? Um, if you God. say it's the Chandler, I'm going to so, jump out of this window. Um, I mean, it's slightly worse than that. Um, the whole... Development's going to be called Southdale Gate because it's going to be over three buildings, Atlanta. maybe maybe four. I was actually contemplating naming them after my sons. I knew you were going to say that. That's not the worst. No, I mean, like, from a nepotism standpoint, like, I don't know if that'll, you know, it's not, I don't want them to be little jerks, but I'm, they're I'm not that type of people. So. put on the top of my first <laughs> I'm actually, seriously, I'm going to wa- offer this promo. Like, if you want to rent this space, I will hold the unit. I just have to sell your house. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. Conflict of interest, watch. Well, that's not a conflict of interest. I guess not really. Um, 
So, you know, that, that was great. And, uh, you know, the thing I'm going to do as soon as I dig that hole, take the dune buggies in there and just rip through there. It's if I still sick. have my dune buggy, I'm going to come join you on that. Nice, man. We'll go for, um, go for a rip, bud. On the, just give her. <laughs> on the same note, um, did you sell anything this year? Uh, my personal stuff? Any real estate. Yeah. Mm, no. Are you contemplating the, selling anything? Well, actually, no. That, that That's, I mean, the redevelopment play that we did in Truro that we got approval for 55 units I did with two partners who were super smart and navigated that, us through that DA. Um, we are shopping that. Up but, for sale. Um, anything else? No. I'm did selling you? one of my, I'm not, I haven't sold anything, but I'm also same thing, shopping one or two of my development sites. Yeah, yeah. So same deal. And the reason being, it's not that they're not good. Um, I just aware again i've set my goals and i have different things i want to achieve it didn't really fit into my play with the timelines and so i'm thinking you know what if i can get rid of them get some cash back in hand it'll allow me to have more strength in the moves that i want to make totally man like people do that like my challenge i'm so damn sentimental with some of these properties i just love them man i love them so cute so cute sweat and tears into them and then it's hard to give them up but at some point like you know with this big development it's like well if you need cash you can just sell this other stuff i'm like i don't want to you know what i did sell a car? My sports car. Yeah, you did. And you got a even worse I got an car. even worse car. Um, um, We've talked about it a little bit before that I started my game in... It all, all this really started from a love of vehicles. Obsessed with cars and couldn't afford them. So I started selling things on the side, working at Sport Check to get into the... I went to Cleves. Did you? Yeah, yeah. You went to Sport Check? Yeah. I went to Cleves. Spring Garden Road, Cleves. Up the like elevator, the, man. That was the spot. Like the ugly... Little brother. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Cleese is way cooler. Than sport <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, so while working there, I was flipping stuff, cars and car parts and all this to try and get into cooler cars. Um, fortunately, I've gotten to the point now where I am able to get some neat cars. Um, so I was able to buy a car at what I felt was a good wholesale price, um, a private sale that I then did leasing with a local leasing agent. So not having to buy cash because a lot of people feel like if you're buying a private sale, you got to pay cash you can take those to leasing agents and they will lease it to you. They're not as keen as leasing a car that's on their lot. Obviously, there's more profit for them. But they will still, if you set everything up and they literally just have yeah, to sign yeah. a lease, they make a fair bit of money on those leases. It's a good time to get into that because those lots are empty, man. Yeah, empty. so you can you can do that. Uh, again, you just got to make sure your buy is strong, just like real estate. It's like anything, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was able to get into a car that typically would depreciate like an absolute rock. Um, but it was already at that point. I was able to run it for six months, enjoy it, hoon on it, and then turn it over and flip it, make a little bit of money on it, uh, and kind of walk away from it. And now I'm doing the same thing again with another vehicle. Um, so I'm I like to say like I get to enjoy six figure cars with or cars with six figure price tags, but I'm doing so for little to no cost at all. Um, and again, this is something I think we'll talk about again in another pod or maybe some videos online on our website. Yeah, and I told you that my wife but, wants to upgrade her RAV4 now. Thanks. I'm, I don't think she watches the podcast, so I guess I can't blame it on this. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, good job, honey. Doesn't watch an episode. But um, uh, yeah, she so. wants to upgrade. She might get the RAV4 upgrade before I do. But let's talk about our goals for 2022. Before you go there, I want to oh. add some other things I think people might be interested in. Okay. Because I added some staff on as well. Okay. And this was another one that I think of the, of the staff members, I think the biggest one that a lot of people have asked about is a property manager. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone actually called you out like about, so this hot water tank and, and by the way, 
my hot water tank blew this. I'm trying to put that under the rug. No, no, but like it, it's funny. Please. I had I had a tenant man, and shoutouts to Brenton uh, who, who who listens to this stuff, man. And um, he's like, hey, funny story. I'm listening to the podcast right now about the hot water tank, and I keep forgetting to mention that our hot water tank, you know, it's not lasting that well. It's only lasting five to six minutes, and it's not that um, it, it's not that hot. Which almost always is the fact that one of the elements is blown out, right? Like, so typically yeah. you have two elements on a hot water tank. If you're getting hot water but a reduced supply, you've got an element issue. And right now with supply and labor, by the time you replace that element, you might as well just replace the damn thing, yeah. right? Um, so, yeah, he messaged me and it was, I can't remember what day it was. I don't know, but I hit up uh, my boy Chris Myers and he had that hot water tank in there. And I messaged him today. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, because we were worried about getting one. He was like, I don't know how we're going to get in a hot water tank right now. Like, they're all spoken for. Uh, but he got one. I messaged him today. I asked when when we get one. He's like, I already put it in yesterday. So um, I don't know where I was going with that. But um, hot water tank. You're talking to my property manager. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, but someone asked you mm-hmm. because we were, we were talking about the story. And someone said, oh, well, if he's such a big deal, how come he doesn't have a full-time <laughs> – like that impression, how come he doesn't have a full-time handy person um, who can do that? Well, first of all, changing Skirt. from... I can't, I do, but anyways, go ahead. I mean, but but changing from an oil-fired hot water tank yeah, to an electric uh, hot water tank... a specialty of a specialty. Yeah, man, like you don't really want to be mucking around with this. Mm-hmm. And also, you know how it is. If something went wrong, went wrong with the new install, they'd be like, and then he didn't even hire a certified plumber, right? Exactly. Like you can't, you can't win. Like you could watch a YouTube video and probably swap out an electric hot water tank to uh, you know a new electric hot water tank but you're looking at an old unit where a lot of those are run with like copper lines yep. right like what you need to switch over to woven line like there's some stuff there man to, to, um, yeah to say to, and to give you kind of a prime example so i do have a full-time handy person and i do have a full-time property manager but to what chandler's saying we need insured licensed people because i'm totally. in a lawsuit right now with somebody with my insurance first thing they ask is okay give me the contract and the person's yeah. insurance. And I'm like, oh, well, I didn't. Because in this case, it was just cleaning in the building. So I hired one of the tenants to do it. And Is that a slip and fall or something? It was a slip and fall. Yeah. And because the tenant just yeah. does it and they were paying them on the side to do it, it all just falls back on me. Because they mm-hmm. don't have insurance and we didn't have a formalized contract set up. So also, we man, now like, do everything with proper people because yeah. otherwise it's going to boil back. If that oil-fired hot water tank was installed by my guy and it exploded again and this time it caused a bunch of issues and someone slipped and fell. Yeah. Falls back or on me, someone's or the, a new oil fired went in and caught on fire. That's on me. So unfortunately, yeah. you can't just have a guy. But go also, and do like, it. do you know what a red seal, like, or I don't know what the equivalent of is a plumber, like, First is making all, in this market right now? They're on back order and they're a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah, like, so yeah, you're not going to keep one of those guys just on staff kicking around on the odd chance that a hot water tank might like. Also on a Friday night, possible. doesn't matter how much you're going to pay. They're, try and find one. Nobody yeah, yeah. like people are living their lives, right? Yeah. So, anyways, but someone uh, took that dig at you, and I was like, we got to make a response to that. Like, so I don't know. Response made. Or, response made. Yeah. But anyways, what I did want to say is, I did, this year I made the transition. So everyone asks when I started, I ran the units myself, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't like it, and I give advice to a lot of my clients. I say, look. You understand investing. You like the investing. You like the construction portion, whatever. Get into it. But if you hate the property management, then contract it out. And I understand that you're giving away 8 to 10% of your revenue. But Ooh. if you don't do that, if you don't do that, mm. you're not going to buy anymore. You're not going to yeah. do anything, right? There's a cost associated with your headache. And, yeah. okay, so now you just spent the last two days hating your life dealing with this person. Mm-hmm. Well, you just missed a deal that's going to make you 100 k and you did all this to save 
4K and management true, fees over true, the year. True, true. You had to get to a certain point, also volume wise and cash flow wise, to do that, right? Like this. No, is well, the no, challenge. but I'm saying right off the start, I I hired a company, so I had actually originally had a company deal doing it for me. Really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, I'm not going to shout them out because they didn't do a great job. I don't feel the need to drag them through the mud either, but they didn't do a great job at all. Um, that was my own mistake on, on picking them. I should have seen the reviews and things that they had that kind of suggested they wouldn't do a good job. Um, but long story short, I didn't want to deal with it. And I found that out on my very first rental property when we let it sit and attend and pay rent for six months. And then it was empty for another couple months. Like I just, yeah, yeah, that's I cool. didn't want to be there. I didn't like that yeah. portion. I was obsessed with the investment. So I say to everyone, like, just hire them and run it in your numbers before you buy it. Run it in your numbers. Mm-hmm. And if it still makes sense, then do it. So and you're not going to pay eight to 10 if you get a big enough portfolio, too, right? Like no, well, then it, it does yeah. come down as time goes on. Anyways, this year I, I made I kind of bit the bullet and hired somebody on full time. Game changer completely for my life. Like, it just freed up a lot of time. And the nice thing was, is they're available to do other things other than just property management. Mm-hmm. So technically, I was probably at around 50 units when I, made, when I bit the bullet. It's definitely not the cheaper option. A, a company still would have been cheaper because if you do the math, yeah, cheaper is not better. Fifty though, times right? a thousand average at six percent is three k a month. Three k a month is thirty six grand. You can't hire somebody for that, but I'm was able to hire somebody for a little bit more than that. Yeah, and and roll them into it exactly. And so you shut them out. Uh, yeah, sure. My my property manager Josh. He actually he Josh came is from the man. Josh like is Josh. the man. He came from Killam, um, and he has been a lifesaver for me. Yeah, Josh and, is wicked. Yeah, he's really good. And he's been he's been working hard to kind of keep growing the portfolio. And he actually has an incentivized pay where as we get more units, his pay automatically grows. Yeah. So he wants to see me close on a building. When I text him and say, hey, we just right, got another right. building under contract, he's excited because he knows that well, now yeah, his pay is going up every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, it, that was that was a big step. A lot of people ask that, so I just want to kind of address that. Well, this is where we get into like, well, what could you, you know, did you have a good year? Did you have, not have a good year? And I... You know, you kind of tack that question onto the end, and I sort of struggle with it because obviously, very happy that you know set all new highs in my sales business, met a lot of great people, um, was able to to live comfortably during a very uncomfortable time in the world, uh, and made some solid acquisitions. But if we're looking forward, like, okay, what are you happy with? What are you not happy with? What what would you want to change in the new year? Is you know, if if the next year goes well. I want to see my sales business drop off significantly. I want to see that drop so that I have free time to pursue some other when things. When you say sales drop, you don't mean actually sales drop. You mean being able to utilize uh, your team and not your formal team, but the people yeah, around yeah. you to help you with your sales. So you're not necessarily having to manhandle and stick handle every sale you do. Totally, totally. Yeah, that, that's a better way to look at it. And and even the, even changing the language and changing the way you look at something is important because in my mind, why I struggle with that is like, well, that's saying take the money I made and make less of it. And I don't like the sound of that. It has to be take the time you spent and free up more of it to do other things. And that's where I feel like I had a good year, but I didn't have a great year because what happened during this when the housing market boomed and, and I feel a strong um, responsibility to my clients to help them through this difficult period. It came at the expense of a lot of other things in my personal life and my mental health, and my time with family. And even then, you know, from a service perspective, like there were a lot of past clients or, or clients would purchase a property and it was hard even to follow up with them and, and, you know, celebrate that with them because I was just spread thin, man. And yeah. it was, it was a tough year mentally in that respect and i'm not going to complain you, about you it because other people hard. are going through through tough yep. you know mental health issues as well while as also fi- struggling financially fi- yeah, right exactly. like so yep. um 
you know, like there, there were a lot of things that I wasn't happy with the execution this year. And then, like I mentioned, you know, I just offered someone a reassignment for 180 grand that they didn't take on a property that I've had on my to call list for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is because I've been run ragged. I didn't make one phone call and let's, well, you know, not to be too hard on myself. It would have been 10, 15 phone calls to, to, to make the process for 30 units that I would absolutely want. And apparently that person was a seller at a very reasonable price. And because I was run ragged on these other things, on the conveyor bait, on the uh, conveyor belt, the transactional side of things, I wasn't able to pivot my attention to my priorities. So um, partway through the year, I really prioritized my build, my new construction. Um, Made big headway on that. You know, I prioritized things with, with this podcast and with the change. The thing I need to focus on in the new year is to pull that Band-Aid, man, like to really set up the systems, give over a little responsibility, um, you know, trust the process. And with that will come... A flashy car. <laughs> no, not a flashy car, but like, you know, it will come some sacrifices from a cash flow standpoint, but big picture-wise, free me up to do some of these other things that I really want to do. So, I mean, happy with the year, happy to celebrate the success. Definitely wish I did some things differently. Definitely excited for the new year. I want to do some stuff, more stuff with you. We're going to do great stuff with the podcast. We're going to do some great stuff in real estate. Yeah. Um, I also want to get into storage units. We're going to talk about this. We will. That's a whole separate episode. We both want to get into storage no, units. No, but yeah, yeah. We got, we got to talk about that. But um, what about you looking back, looking forward? Well, before I do that, I want to finish my year off because that mine's a little bit different where oh I also own a, a Well, no, I also it's own It's going to be 2023 by the time Neil by the time finishes Neil's all of his celebrating, pumping his tires. Pumping his tires, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but the other, cause we've had people ask about this. So I also have a, a contracting franchise, right? So that, mm-hmm. that was an okay year we did there. We had yeah. a massive change. We came into the year full of crews, full of people doing everything we could get our hands on. Uh, we realized that that was a lot of overhead for, and a lot of headache for not a lot of income. So we transitioned into kind of picking the specialty items that we found there was yeah. demand in. Leaner, and, meaner. And yeah. exactly. And there was income on. So we ended up unfortunately having to lay off a fair number of people in the process um, and honestly, going for a lot of contract employees, but it was still a strong year overall. I think we still broke seven figures of business, which is not crazy, but it, it was it was not a bad year. Um, and we really found our niche, and so we we're able to keep a good crew really busy and run their systems and kind of run run a proper company there. So that was a huge learning experience for me. Um, and, and so I started to kind of appreciate that. And so, anyways, I, I was kind of happy with that, knowing that that was there. That company is actually up for sale uh, and potentially might be sold in, in the coming years mm-hmm. uh, or coming year. Um, but it uh, it was it was an interesting one. And it was a, it was a big learning experience overall. The other thing I want to point out is I also found myself a little spread a little thin. Um, but but this year I had made a big effort to kind of pull back on some things and still be able to travel and enjoy myself. And I think I was able to achieve that for the most part. And so I have it down here that I went for a few trips. The biggest kind of most notable ones that you guys are probably interested in is that I spent some time in the States uh, shopping real estate and wanting to make some investments there. We talked about it a bit. As I get closer to making some investments, I'm really going to unpack those. Again, we're really trying to push to get our website up because I want to unpack the hard numbers. On You'll find that on the website where I will literally go over every single number on what it's costing me, my actual dollars in, uh, what I'm having to do, what we're seeing for returns, and kind of where we're doing it. Um, So that's going to be coming. We're going to put it on the website. Uh, Right now, I, I, I mentioned in the podcast, we're looking at North Carolina. Uh, when I say we, I have a few partners that are also looking there. So, anyways, that that's to come. I'm I'm excited uh, to get started down there. Hoping to make some acquisitions there in the coming year. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, so to to say what Chandler was saying, like looking back on my year in review, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm okay with it. Um, I, I think I achieved most of the things that I wanted to achieve. Um, I I wanted to end the year with 100 units. I'm literally just short. I don't know what the exact count is. I'm right around 90. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a little disappointing. Not the end of the world because I know if I wanted to, I could put something. I could have yeah, you could throw another. a six unit under contract and be like, cool, yeah. I did it. But that's not the point. Exactly, yeah. that, that's not the point. Um, so there there was that aspect. Um, but then on the investment front, investments, all my like cash investments and stock investments are up through the moon. We've had a bit of a pullback recently. The one that I'm probably more proud of is my oil and gas investments because for the last two years, anyone who knows me, I've been screaming it because I'm like, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. And it took a little longer than I anticipated, but it did come and it panned out very, very well uh, for me, fortunately, which I'm, I'm happy with. Uh, my real estate sales business, I always feel like I left something on the plate on the table there for that. Um, but overall, I think for being my third year in the game, 50 ends was was a solid year. Um, phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, it, I think it's 53 or 55 ends. Um, but I'm in the same position as Chandler where my objective now becomes kind of taking that business and trying to take a little bit of a step back because it's very consuming. It is a difficult business to do well and to do at a, at a high level. Um, so it's learning to, to kind of step back from that and, and start some other things. So I'm very happy that we got this podcast off the ground and now mm. it's trying to go from being off the ground to being going straight to the moon, right? Yeah. So we're trying to get that there going with 2022. Um, yeah. My real estate sales business, I want to take a step back. But then the investing side of things, I want to really grow that end and and kind of blow that out and so kind of get the unit count to explode um, and also get the, I guess, the educational content that we can create here to explode as well. So not only getting the viewership on the podcast up, but like I said, I've alluded to a bunch of times here is we, we are building a website and a platform that we really want to benefit everybody and actually have some true value because again, to boil it back to why we started this is a lot of people asked us, had a lot of questions. We're kind of struggling to find a resource. Mm-hmm. And so we're really trying to create that resource. And so my my objective for the coming years is to ensure that we kind of actually do that. Uh, and we're also trying to like, man, we're struggling with what we want this thing to be. In. And thanks so much for people who just give us a quick message or share the stuff and be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm kind of digging it, right? Like it means a lot because we don't really know what we're doing. Uh, we just know we don't want to dance in TikTok videos. I'm, you know, like we, we don't like, we, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, right, we don't want to do that. We want to put this stuff out there. We want to make it consumable. Yeah. Um, but we're not IT developers. We can't build a website, you know, so no. we're now surrounding ourselves. We're, we're doing what we talked about in, in a few episodes about surrounding yourself with people who know what they're doing yeah. and this is their bag and get them engaged. And so what we hope that looks like for this coming year is going to be more content, a really good website that'll help build build a community where you can reach like-minded people doing this, you know, and, and motivating one another because that's what we're all in this together, you know. Um, what's the expression, you know, alone you'll go fast, but together you'll go far. Yeah. We're also hoping to bring in some partnerships, some brand stuff, some meetups, uh, some giveaways. we got some stuff, you know, that we're looking at, um, you know, and, and I mean, we got a giveaway coming up. We have a giveaway coming up right away. See, like, we don't even like know how to do this stuff, man. So bear with us. We're we're figuring this stuff out. Yeah. Um, and we want to make sure it's, it's partnerships that make sense. Do you have the details of this, or we'll just say watch our TikTok, watch our Instagram. We've got some giveaways come up, but we are going to try to keep building that. Thanks for your patience and thanks for following along because we are going to get better. If you like it now, it's going to be a big thing, man. Uh, we believe in it. Um, so so we're pumped. hoping that you guys do as well. Um, one thing I want to point out too, when we when we talk about like how we feel about our years. 
I don't think like you should necessarily be like this. Like, you need to be proud of your year. You need to be pumped about it. But on the flip side, like never get too comfortable. Like, and I think you're seeing no. that with the yeah. both of us. Even though, I mean, Chandler did a hundred inch. He's the number one agent in more like Remax. Ten, but fuck. <laughs> okay, all right. Anyways, Chandler's tires are so inflated, I can't physically pressurize them anymore. <laughs> Anyways, so, but Chandler did 110 ends. You want the exact number? Was it 112 or something? I mean, anyway, he did a lot of ends. Splits. So like he bought lots of real estate. Five. He has some massive development plays coming. Uh, he could very easily be comfortable with where he's at, but he's understanding that you need to always kind of have that little bit of doubt almost to kind of keep yeah. pushing you forward. And so you can see that he's excited, but he's looking at the things that he could have improved. And I think that's an important thing. But there's, again, it's teetering on that fine line of, if you're constantly like that, you're never happy with what you've done. So making sure that you appreciate what you've done, but then on the same note, understanding what you could have improved and then using that to do a better year following. Um, I yeah, think like important. I think you got to pat yourself on the back, but uh, motivation yeah. it comes from two ways. It comes from celebrating the successes and then it also comes from, you know, th- the threat of failure, carrot yep. or stick, right? And yep. I'm a stick responder. Like I've been in this industry now for 13 years and every single year, I've sold more than the year before because every single no. year I'm terrified that I'm going to pull back. And last year I thought, well, there's no way possible. I'll never be able to do more. So next year is going to be the year that I make less. Than. And now this year, I mean, it's just not possible. And if, <laughs> if, if, if I if I do the same thing, like I will have not accomplished other goals in my life. Yeah, right. Well, so, so this, so you this start is doing thing, to recognize right? that you need to make a transition. Yeah, and yeah. Um, this is something we can talk about as well. It's just like transitioning. We both had regular jobs prior to getting into this business, uh, and now we're probably going to make another transition. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I, I think that that's important. Uh, but then on the again to go back, still celebrate, appreciate what you've done, and potentially get yourself something, whether it be a trip, um, a special night out, or yeah, an might item. be going to Detroit. Yeah, that's so big trip. Chandler, the Chandler's going to Detroit to wrap um, eight mile. <laughs> and I bought myself a car. So we kind of both did our our things that we appreciate. Um, and, and again, don't let other people's imp- like influence impact you on what you want to do. I love cars because I've always loved cars since I was like six years old before it ever really mattered. So I don't really care when someone says I'm being an arsehole for buying the car. I don't really. Okay, cool. That's what I like. Like it gives me yeah, pride man. and joy. Yeah. So and and I said like I bought a very stupid car right now. I don't even like it. I want to sell it already because it wasn't for me. Even though everyone mm-hmm. thinks it's super cool, it's it's something that I like and appreciate. And so that's what it's got to be about is, is making sure you do something you want. And so for a lot of people, I know trips are a big one. They want to go on like a an all inclusive for a week or something like that as a reward to relax and get away. Do it. Do it. I feel like, you know, normally people are like, mm, 2021 is going to be my year. This year, people aren't going to say anything because no, the last two years have sucked. <laughs> but I'll say it, 2022 is going to be a good year, man. It's it going to be a good year. So Minus global recession. Is that it? We're good? That is, that's it. Three. I want to say yeah, two, two one. one. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, all right. Thanks, Neil, for a great year. Yeah. Thanks, Tanner. Thanks, BNV. Yes. Anything else? No, that's it. No? Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a good year. We got a bigger Boom. year coming. Can't See wait in the to new see year. Us. Yeah. Thanks, guys. When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.